0: we're in our second week of our series, Follow, and in this series, we explore what it looks like to follow Jesus truly. We just came off Easter two weeks ago where we presented the incredible facts of a man named Jesus who claimed to be God, who predicted that he would die at the hands of the Romans um, and by way of crucifixion, but would come back to life three days later, and then he pulled it off. Jesus was God, and he proved it to us by doing something no one had ever done before, beat death. But Jesus didn't do this to prove that he was God to mere mortals. He's God, he doesn't need to prove anything to anyone. He did this because he knew there was no other way to reconcile the relationship between him and us. He did this to pay the ransom so that our relationship with God could be restored. His blood shed on the cross did what we could never do, pay our sin debt. Jesus's sacrificial death on the cross made a way for us to know God both in this life and in the one to come. And we know him by believing in Jesus, his death, his life, and his resurrection. The way we get right standing back with God is to simply believe. That's how we're saved. But is that all? Is that all there is? I say an honest prayer of belief and I'm all good. I can go to church on Easter. I can hear the good news. Then I can walk out and live how I please. Do what I want, when I want, how I want it, with whomever I want. Well, it turns out that believing is just the beginning. We must believe, then we are to follow. And this is what we're exploring in this series, what it looks like to follow Jesus and to learn to count the cost of what it costs to follow. We're laying it all out on the table for you and taking an honest look at the life of Jesus, the life Jesus is calling us to. And spoiler alert, it is not to one of comfort and ease. And if you happen to miss week one, I'm going to highly encourage that you would go back to grandmacom slash messages and catch yourself up because week one sets the foundation for what we're going to be doing in the rest of this series. So go back, watch it, listen to it and then rejoin us. Um, Last week, we looked at the words, these words from Jesus. It said, if you wanna be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else, your father, your mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple, but don't begin until you count the cost. Hate my mother? What was Jesus talking about? How can I hate my family, carry my cross? The cross was an instrument of cruelty and torture and these words would have been scandalous and confusing at best. And why would Jesus turn people away? Isn't the person with the most followers the most successful? You see, Jesus wasn't exaggerating or trying to make a point here. He was making truth clear. He told them, You cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my follower unless you are willing to give up everything, including your very life. So don't begin until you count the cost. Well, at this point, I'm betting that many people looked at Jesus and said, You know, I got a lot to do today, and the grass needs to be mowed. I've got to go bake some bread. I'm not really sure. Thanks, Jesus. Good luck to you. It's been nice following you up until this point. But I gotta go. You see, for the people, it wasn't that they didn't believe in Jesus. It's just that the cost was too high. And here we are 2,000 years later reading the very words of Jesus, the very words that Jesus spoke to this original audience. And the cost is still the same. So I ask you this question first. Do you believe? And if the answer is yes, then good. But here's the thing. Even demons believe that Jesus is real and that he is God. And we know this because James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this. He says, you have faith for you believe that there's one God. Good for you. But even the demons believe this. It's one thing to believe. But did you also count the cost? You see, believing is easy, but following is hard. So journey with us over the next nine weeks to learn the true cost of following Jesus, what he asks of us, what he requires of those who after believing bear his name, and find out why living a sold out life to Jesus is worth it. It is so worth it. All right, so each week of this series, we will compare and contrast the life Jesus calls us to to the opposite, and that is what comes naturally to us. And today, we're taking a look at discipline over comfort. And I know, I think I just heard a collective sigh even through the screen. No, not discipline. I hate discipline. Why can't I just do what I want? This is the cry of my children. And if we're honest, most of us as well. Jesus calls us to a life of discipline. We naturally desire comfort and ease. We want life to come easy. We want our jobs to be easy, our relationships to be without conflict, our bank accounts to always be full and perfectly reconciled at the end of the month. We want our cars to be big, our houses to be bigger, our social media accounts to be sponsored, our homework to finish itself, the lawn to be mowed by someone else, traffic to move out of our way, me, 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 over Jesus. And this sadly is the commentary of our lives. Even those who claim to know and love Jesus, and I'm not trying to be critical here, but I know this. I know this from my own life and I've seen it in the lives of others. It's not hard to see. Most, even those who claim to follow Jesus only follow him when it's convenient. We come to church when we feel like it. We go to group when we feel like it. We read our Bibles when we get up on time. We give to God when we have extra. We serve him when we have an opening in our schedule. The reality is me over Jesus equals destruction. And Jesus told us as much in Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 25. He says this, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? You see, when I live for me and Jesus comes second, that equals destruction. But the good news is the opposite is also reality. That when I put Jesus first, when I say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life, and then I'm at the bottom Man, that equals life, and it's so much better. It's a much better trade. I give up my life, meaning my way of doing things, and in turn, Jesus gives me life, real life, one filled with peace and joy, patience, goodness, kindness. Man, I need that, don't you? Yes, we all need that and Jesus's way is better. He calls us to a life of discipline, and discipline is what you really want. You heard me right. A disciplined life is what you really want. Here's the reality. Discipline isn't fun. Discipline hurts. It takes work. It takes commitment. Ah, another word. You know, I'm saying all these bad words and gaining all these popularity points this morning. Discipline, commitment, I know. But it's good. And you know no one, unless they have some strange gene that 99.9% of the population did not inherit, no one likes discipline. But do you know what we all love? We love the results of discipline. And it's funny that human nature hasn't changed over the thousands of years that we have been here on earth. And the writers of Hebrews, it's a book in the New Testament and the Bible, he knew human nature and he wrote this to encourage us. And it is the same encouragement a thousand years ago as it is today. He said this, he said, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in its way. We don't like discipline, but we like the results of discipline. Discipline is painful at the time, but it's so worth it. And that's why Jesus calls us to live disciplined lives. He understood a fundamental principle that we often intentionally ignore. I'm gonna go back and say that again. He understood a fundamental principle that we often intentionally ignore. But when we ignore reality, we are treading in a very dangerous path. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time parked here in this reality that I'm going to give to us, this reality that Jesus understood that we often ignore. I know I said that three times. I want us to really, really think about that because this reality is life and death. So before we begin, I want to pray to ask that God would do what only he could do that his Holy Spirit would open our eyes, that he would soften our hearts and that we would be receptive to his word. So I'm going to pray. Father God, I ask that wherever it is that someone is listening to this, whether it's in the car, on the way to work, sitting in their living rooms, watching, walking on a treadmill at Planet Fitness, listening, that your Holy Spirit would fall that you would do what only you can do, only you can soften our hearts, only you can open our eyes to see what we haven't been able to see before. And God, we give you access to our hearts. We give you our lives like a blank check and say, do what you would do. I do not want to be someone, we do not want to be a people who ignore reality. We want to be people who know the truth live the truth, walk in the truth. And I know this, God, because it would not be listening, would have turned it off by now, Here, discipline and commitment, be like, Pfft, I'm out. But the fact that we're here, that we're listening, that we're watching, that we're open to you, God, tells me that we want to live, live life differently. We want to live life for you. So open our eyes, Holy Spirit, amen. All right, here's this principle. We reap what we sow. In other words, we become what we consistently do. And we're gonna park our time in a book of the New Testament called Galatians. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2nd Corinthians and Galatians, my Sunday school. The, that's a shout out to my Sunday school teachers if you're watching anywhere. Uh, so we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. It was a letter written to the church in Galatia by Paul, a follower of Jesus, a church planter. And he says this. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will will reap eternal life. And I was reading, my Bible's the New Living Translation, but I wanted the new uh, international version for us for this verse. But we're going to look at both. Um, It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. And here's where the New Living Translation comes in, chapter 6, verse 7. It says... Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. So do not be deceived. Do not be misled. You reap what you sow. You harvest what you plant. You become what you consistently do. And the stakes are high. They are life and death high. And I am not exaggerating, nor is the scriptures. Let's go back to that Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Sowing to the flesh, it equals destruction. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And the flesh is me without God. It's my wants, my desires, my needs, me, me, me. And this verse contrasts the flesh with the spirit. And the spirit is the Holy Spirit who is God, the opposite of who I am, the flesh, me. When sowing to the spirit, that equals life, Eternal life, both with God in eternity, but also a quality of life here on earth. You see this whole sowing and reaping? It really is a matter of life and death. We see that God cannot be mocked. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And here, Paul, the writer of this scripture, he's not giving us a command. He's making a statement about reality. The reality is that what you sow, you reap. And I know that most of us, we don't live on a farm, we don't live in this agrarian society anymore, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that if I plant a rose bush in the ground, I'm going to get roses. If I plant a kernel of corn in the ground, I'm gonna reap a harvest of corn, a sunflower seed, a sunflower, you get the point. This is a physical reality. Whatever I put in the ground, I'm going to receive that same harvest. Sowing and reaping is a law of the natural world. However, the writer of this scripture, he's not talking about the natural world. He's talking about the spiritual world. And the sowing and reaping is also a law of the spiritual world. So I say, this is in Galatians. We're just going to back up one chapter to chapter five. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature, whenever you see sinful nature, think flesh, me craves. The sinful nature, the flesh, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out what you want to do. Ooh, that's a little harsh. We're going to keep reading though. If you follow your sinful nature, you will plant seeds to the flesh. And in Galatians, it tells us, if we keep going on in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 19, it tells us what those seeds of the flesh, the harvest that they produce. It says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living like that, that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. When I am controlled by my flesh, controlled by my sinful desire, when I choose my way, I'm choosing me over Jesus. And when I do, it's not pretty. The seeds of the flesh, the harvest that comes from the things that I want, it's not great. I mean, look at this list. It's not good. Idolatry, lustful pleasures, quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition, division, envy, drunkenness. That's not a pretty list. And then it says at the end, let me tell you again as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Jeez, sounds a little harsh. Is God serious? Yep. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. It is a matter of life and death. God cannot be mocked. You cannot go on living any way you want, picking and choosing what you like in scripture and disregarding what you don't. Following Jesus means we offer him our whole lives. He's in charge, not us. He calls the shots, not us. He tells us what ways of living are right and which are wrong. With Jesus, nothing is off limits. We are a blank check offered to him A life of following him requires total self-denial and absolute surrender. And you know what surrender looks like? Surrender looks like sowing seeds to the spirit. We're going to go back to Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature, we already said that, it wants to do evil. It's the opposite of the spirit. But the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires and that is good news and you want to know the kind of seeds the kind of harvest that the spirit develops in us it's good news it's good it says but the holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control the seeds of the harvest are the same just like in the natural world. The seeds and the harvest are the same, just like the natural world. Sow a rose, get a rose. Sow love, grow love. Sow gentleness, grow gentleness. Sow patience, get patience. Sow self-control, reap self-control. I just recently finished an incredible book by John Mark Comer called Live No Lies. And in this book, he explains uh, the principle of sowing and reaping so clear. And I wanna read a little bit of it to you. He says this, he says, it's our daily, seemingly insignificant decisions that eventually sculpt our characters and harden them into stone or free them to flourishing. He's talking about the principle of reaping and sowing daily, our insignificant uh, decisions that planting every day, we're planting seeds to something. They eventually sculpt our characters and they harden them into stone with death or free them to flourishing life. And he says, take the all too common example of an affair, one of the few sexual taboos that's still generally recognized, though that's changing. In all my years as a pastor, I've never known anyone who just woke up one morning in a happy, healthy marriage and had an affair that night. In every case, the affair started not with the act of infidelity, but with a thousand earlier acts. The choice to skip date night, seed to the flesh. To quit couples counseling, seed to the flesh. To make a flirtatious comment towards a coworker, seed to the flesh. To allow a certain kind of film into the entertainment queue. The affair itself was the result of not one, but a thousand choices made over a long period of time, which all built to a head and brought ruin from the substrata, ruin from the ground in which you planted those seeds to the surface of a life. Or take a less dramatic and far more humdrum example like, say, negativity. With every decision we make to complain, criticize, play the victim, focus on the negative, and so on, we become more and more the kind of person who is by nature negative. Every time I sow a seed to my flesh, I want to be crabby, I want to be upset, I want to be angry, I want to criticize. He says that eventually we become the kind of person who is by nature negative grouchy, unhappy, and unpleasant to be around until eventually we lose the very capacity to live happily, gratefully, and full of wonder at our lives in God's good world. We have sown seeds of negativity and we have reaped a character of negativity. But again, the reciprocal is true as well. The daily decision to rejoice, to plant a seed to the spirit, to plant a seed intentionally of joy. When we do this, when we cultivate a way of seeing our lives in God's good world, not through the lens of our phones, our news apps, or the flesh, but through gratitude, celebration, and unhurried delight, this will over time form us into joyful, thankful people who deeply enjoy life with God and others. What starts as an act of the will, right? Intentionally planting joy, joy, happiness, joy, joy, joy. It turns into our, our inner nature. What begins with a choice eventually becomes a character. This is the power of our choices, decisions, and habits for good or for evil to index us toward freedom, life, or slavery, death. We make our decisions and then our decisions make us. In the beginning, we have a choice, but eventually we have a character. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. When I choose to sow seeds to the flesh, Let's say, for example, the seeds of selfishness. I'm exhausted after a long day at work and I come home and instead of having a conversation with my daughter about her day and instead of at night sitting with her and doing our devotion, I just, man, I'm burnt out and I just want to numb out. So I'm just going to turn on Netflix. I'm going to choose me over another human being in my household. At first it's a choice. It's just a choice to be, you know, I don't know. I'm tired today. I deserve a little bit of me time. I worked really hard. So it's a choice. But day after day after day, if I sow seeds to my selfishness, I will eventually reap a harvest of selfishness. I will eventually become a selfish person. At first, it's a choice. But after repeated choices, it becomes a character. And John Mark Comer, who wrote that same book, he calls it this. He calls it the working theory of the law of returns applied to spiritual formation. I really want you to pay attention to this. Look at this. He says, "Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap another action. Sow some actions, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny." either in slavery to the flesh or freedom to the spirit. It's a matter of life and death. So let's bring it back to discipline over comfort. You see, it takes a tremendous amount of discipline to sow seeds to the spirit day in and day out. To get up each morning and before we touch our phones, we pick up this the word of God, and we transform our hearts and our minds. It takes a daily decision to take up, take up our crosses and follow Jesus. It takes a daily decision to deny myself, my wants, my desires. The writer of the New Testament in Paul, who we read in Galatians, he says this, he says, it's, we are to crucify our flesh. It takes a daily decision to crucify my flesh, to die to what I want, to die to what the flesh desires because what my flesh desires is the exact opposite of what God wants. And that means I have to die and I must willingly hand over my life to God. You see, I want to be angry. I want to be selfish. I want to demand my way. I want to spend my money as I please. I want to go where I please. That's what my flesh wants. I can ignore reality and go my own way But following my flesh always leads to death. Not just eternal death either. It leads to death in this life too. You see, when I am selfish, when I choose selfishness, something dies. It might be intimacy with my husband. It might be having a deep relationship with my daughter. It might even be the spiritual formation and health of my children. When I choose me, when I choose myself, others pay the price. Conversely, when I choose to give up my way, and plant seeds to the spirit, when I choose gentleness as a response to the angers of others, when I choose self-control over giving in to what my flesh wants, I reap life in this life and in the next. When I am kind and loving, then kindness and love grow inside of me. And there could not be a more stark way to stand in contrast in our current world than to return kind, gentle, loving words to someone else's anger. It truly is a matter of life and death. And trust me on this one, Jesus's way is so much better than our own. And this is where discipline over comfort comes in. Jesus calls us to live a disciplined life. And to do this, we must let the Holy Spirit guide our lives. We must obey and choose to plant seeds to the Spirit, even when it's hard, even when we don't want to, when it's not convenient, and especially when it's not the popular choice. All right, so we have a few minutes left. I'm going to get down to the nitty-gritty, make it super, super practical for you. How in the world, how do we do this? How do we begin to sow seeds to the Spirit? I'm going to give you four steps. The first is this. We have to repent. It starts with your repentance. And you see, the thing about repentance is, it's not just saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is saying, God, I am sorry. For going my own way, and then I'm going to turn and go in an opposite direction. I can't just say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and then continue down the same path that I'm on, continue making the same choices, continue to keep planting seeds to my flesh. I have to grieve what I have done. Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. God, I am sorry. I have chosen my own way. I have done my own things. I have hurt people by my selfishness. I have hurt people by my impatience. I have hurt my own mind by the things that I have said or the things that I have watched. God, I am so sorry. And today I choose to go in a different direction. That is repentance. And then we must break up the hard ground. Hosea 10, 12 says this, I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. You cannot plant new seeds if you haven't broken up the hardness in your heart. You cannot plant good seeds into a dry, infertile land. You have to first ruthlessly root out of your life those bad habits. Get rid of Netflix if that is the way you numb and distract. And I don't mean just delete the app off your phone. I'm saying just cancel your account and take it off everything. Get rid of your Facebook and your Instagram if you struggle with jealousy and discontentment. And I don't mean just, you know, delete it off your phone, take a 30-day fast. No, just delete your accounts all together. We must ruthlessly. Eliminate the seeds that we are planting to the flesh. Put a filter on all your electronic devices. If you struggle watching porn, stop coddling your flesh. Stop putting up with it. Stop making excuses for it. Stop making excuses for your temper. It is not the person in the car in front of you that is the reason why you are late to work. It's because you hit snooze. Jesus calls us to crucify our flesh. That means I die. When I sign up to follow Jesus, I sign up to die to myself. That is the cost of following Jesus. I no longer get my way. I no longer get to make my own decisions. I choose to submit and surrender my life to him. I no longer get a say. The third step is this, plant a new seed. If you want a different harvest, sow a different seed. Write out Galatians 5, and 23. Put this where you can see it and begin today to intentionally plant seeds of love and joy, peace, patience. Plant these things in your life. Put it somewhere where you can see it, memorize it, and start to intentionally, like I said, plant those seeds. Start to intentionally choose to behave in ways that are pleasing to the Spirit of God. Choose to be patient when you're standing in line. Choose to be gentle with your wife. Be faithful in your commitments. Watch only what is good and choose self-control. Choose to sow these seeds every day and you will begin to reap a character that looks like Jesus. And lastly, and this is good news, and this is my encouragement for you this morning, don't give up. We didn't finish that portion of Galatians, that end there, where I'm going to read this last verse for you. Galatians 6, 9 says this, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And let me tell you, this is not some try harder, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You can do this pep talk. The same spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you You can begin to plant new seeds by the power of his Holy Spirit. Just don't grow weary in doing good for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Don't give up. Discipline over comfort. It is so worth it.